What's up, fam? We are back with another episode of The Kitchen Table. If you had the uh, the opportunity to listen to uh, the season two opener, then you'll know that uh, we've dedicated this season to um, exploring the concept of pursuing. And over the course of uh, of the next few months, we're going to, to be spending some time talking about uh, pursuing some things that I believe uh, will have an, an immeasurable impact, not only on uh, on our lives, but the lives of those around us and those within um, our circle of influence. I believe that that everything that we pursue, everything that uh, we come into contact with, everything that we obtain creates a ripple effect in our lives. And and one of the things I, I've noticed is that um, it doesn't really matter uh, what the size of the object is, the, the impact of what we pursue, the, the impact of what um, we obtain, and the impact of what we come into contact with uh, isn't bound by limitations. I, I've, I've learned that it, that it supersedes uh, whatever boundaries we try to, to implement to contain it. And so it's important that we don't uh, haphazardly go through life pursuing things without taking the time to um, consider the implications of what we're chasing. The other thing that that we have to consider is is the influence that we have over those uh, that are watching us, whether whether we know it or not. I remember as a kid, it was normal to come home from school and to uh, and to turn on the TV and see this crazy high speed chase that was happening real time in our city or, or a neighboring city. And the news would cover this thing from start to finish. They they wouldn't take any breaks. They wouldn't cut to anything else. They would take no commercials because they didn't want us as the viewers to miss anything. And it was one of those things that, that once you started watching, it was extremely hard uh, to turn away from. Like like once you were pulled in, you were you were committed to watching this thing until the end. And generally, they all ended ended the same way. But the suspense of knowing that this one could could potentially end differently kept you watching the entire time. And as a kid, that was amazing. As a kid, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching, <laughs> for whatever crazy reason, these high speed uh, pursuits happening. And and one of the things I remember is that the driver didn't care uh, about the speed limit or obeying any laws or or any street lights or signs. Their only concern uh, was getting away. And so you had this caravan of police officers and and helicopters pursuing this car and and trying to uh, identify the right time to apprehend the driver. But one of the things that started to happen was that as more of these high-speed pursuits were uh, being televised, the cops realized that it just influenced uh, the next person to try to do the same thing. And whether they really thought they could get away or they just wanted their 15 minutes of fame, they were willing to give it a shot. No matter how many lives they put in danger, no matter uh, how many laws they broke, no matter how high the failure rate was, no matter if they got caught, how much time would be added on to their sentence, they just had to try it. And so over the years, I started to notice the number of these pursuits being televised starting to decline to the point now that it's really rare. And I don't, I don't watch nearly as much TV or as news anymore, but I would be shocked to uh, turn on a TV and actually see a high-speed pursuit in action. And I guess the message from all of this is to never underestimate the power of your influence, that um, there's somebody watching you. 
watching what drives you. There's somebody watching what motivates you, whether we know it or not. Um, there's somebody that's watching what we're in pursuit of. And we have the opportunity and the privilege to steer or or even introduce those who we have some level of influence over to uh, some things that will either apprehend them or catapult them. And so this journey of pursuing something is simply that. It's a, it's a journey. And the older I get, the more I realize that the life lessons, the, uh, the invaluable nuggets of wisdom that we collect and treasure along the way, uh, that the roadblocks and, and the hurdles that forces us to reevaluate our approach, that the peaks and the valleys and the ups and the downs and um, the ebbs and the flows are ultimately what make the journey worthwhile. I can imagine that we've all looked back at the start of a journey and the person that we uh, were when we launched our pursuit of something is is far different than the man or the woman that we are uh, present day. I can imagine that if uh, somebody started college and, and they finally had the chance to walk across the stage, if they looked back, the person that they were as a freshman and the person that they were as a graduate are completely different. Uh, the woman that that uh, got pregnant versus the woman that just had her her first child uh, is a completely different individual. The couple that um, was engaged and now has been married for some length of time, I, I imagine that they can look back and say, man, we are far different. There's been so much growth. There's been so much change. And I think what you find is that the blessing isn't just being able to say that uh, I've obtained something or that we've obtained something. Uh you also find that the blessing uh, is in the pursuit of it. It's it's in the collection of priceless memories. It's the uh, the life lessons that could only be learned through experience. It's the um, the resiliency and the grit that you displayed when you felt like quitting. Uh, that's the true blessing. There's an aspect or component of growth that happens uh, while we're in pursuit of something. There's there's so much to be gained during and throughout that process, throughout that, that workflow. But I've also realized that, that being in pursuit of something isn't always about what you gain. But sometimes, sometimes it's about what you're willing to let go of. It's sometimes about freeing yourself and, and, and making room uh, for what's to come. And if we aren't careful, we'll become uh, hoarders of, <laughs> of our blessings and we'll just begin to store and store and store. And before you know it, you have no room for what's new. You have no room um, for what you're working towards. The journey of, of, of pursuing something is rarely uh, ever easy. I remember there's this uh, this old adage that says what comes easy won't last and what lasts won't come easy. And this statement couldn't be uh, any truer than when we're talking about the pursuit of love, true love. I mean, real love, lasting love, not not uh, temporary, uh, easy to gain, but easy to lose love. Real love isn't easy, but it's it's undoubtedly worth it. And there's no truer example of this that can be found than um, the picture of Jesus on the cross. In fact, moments before he's betrayed by, by Judas and crucified, he's in uh, the Garden of Gethsemane with Peter and James and John. And Jesus, already knowing uh, what's about to become of him, says, Oh, my father, if, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not, not as I will, but as you will. 
And this prayer that Jesus praises is the very symbol of love and action. It's, it's the very symbol of, of it not being easy, but nonetheless being worth it. Because Jesus understood what hinged on his obedience. He understood the, the impact and the ripple effect that would occur as, as a result of his sacrifice. And so, no, it, it wasn't easy, but it was, it was absolutely worth it. 13, 13 years ago, I, I met a girl in a, in a small Baptist church in the heart of South Central Los Angeles. And, and from that moment that I stopped her outside of that small church to, uh, to ask her her name, we've been on a pursuit of love. And the achiever in me wants to say that, that we fell head over heels in love. And, and, and I swept her off of her feet and proceeded to be uh, her Prince Charming from that moment forward. And we've experienced nothing but bliss and blessings and babies uh, since then, but, but that would be a lie. The truth is that it's been messy and it's been beautiful and it's been painful and uh, more than I could have ever hoped for. And it's been difficult and um, it's been hard and it's been inspiring and it's been life giving all rolled into one. We had absolutely no idea um, what we were signing up for back in 2008. We were young and naive and, and I was dumb and we were broken and we were both searching. And little did I know that this this beautiful girl from Seattle possessed uh, what I needed to become the man that God created me to be. And, and similarly, that, that I was hardwired to uh, be a fundamental part of her development into uh, the incredible woman and wife and mother uh, that she is for our family. So, so seeing as, as this week marks not only Valentine's Day, but um, more importantly, our 10-year our wedding anniversary, I thought that it would be uh, fitting to, to have a little discussion and to ask my wife some questions about this concept of pursuing love. I hope you enjoy it. Take a listen. Well, first and foremost, I'd like to officially and formally uh, welcome you, my wife, Zash, to uh, the kitchen table. Thank I know you. that... Uh, this is a table that you've had such a magnificent hand in uh, building and being a part of, but this is your first time uh, taking a seat. So uh, introduce yourself. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I am Zaj Collins, and I've been hanging out with this guy for about 13 years. We have ooh, ooh. four beautiful children together, all girls, girl oh. gang, go crazy. Um, I'm currently a full-time mom and part-time marketing consultant. Uh, and I'm just excited to be here. Well, thank you. Thank you for being a part. So uh, as you already know, obviously, the entire second season uh, of the Kitchen Table podcast is dedicated to uh, this concept of pursuing. And there's so many things that, that we, we pursue consciously or subconsciously on a daily basis, but uh, it was only right that we kicked off this season pursuing um, talking about love. And it only made sense to have this conversation with you, which is why you are here. I sure hope so. All right. Well, uh, I just want to throw in a disclaimer before we, we get started and start throwing out stories that um, I only want to hear stories that uh, make me look good. And so if there's anything that's said about me that uh, that I don't like, we're editing um, out of this conversation. That's not, not going to happen. Yeah, I, I just need to real. make sure we're on the same page here but in all seriousness I want to I want to start by um, 
laying the foundation for this conversation by reading First Corinthians 13 and 4, which I believe is our basis for love. And it says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not um, self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never fails. And I think that that this scripture does uh, a phenomenal job of painting the perfect picture um, of love is. And it's far different, in my opinion, than what we oftentimes see on TV and in movies. And secondly, and more importantly, uh, the type of love we see exemplified and demonstrated um, in our homes. And so I think it's important to to level set and ensure that when we talk about love, we, we ensure that we're not talking about feelings or we're not talking about um, mm-hmm. temporary or, or fleeting emotions. But right. when we really talk about love, I want to make sure um, that we're talking about the same thing, the same foundational principles and, and looking at it from the same healthy and biblical uh, perspective. Right. And so um, let's 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 start with with an easy one. What does the phrase pursue love mean to you? Easy to who, sir? <laughs> OK, pursue love, I think. The first thing that comes to mind when I hear that is choose love. Um, This whole season, we're talking about what it looks like to pursue, insert the blank. And pursuing something is simply the choice. How am I going to show up? Do my actions, do my words, do my lifestyle all fall in line with what I claim to be um, in pursuit of? And so as I was thinking about this, the truth is we experience love in so many different ways. And so I feel like the pursuit of it is simply our decision to be engaged or not. And we're constantly faced with opportunities every single day to engage in love. And, you know, whether that's in a relationship, friendships, as a parent, you know, as just a human being and being a decent citizen, we have opportunities to engage in love. And I think of you know, we know scripture says that God is love and I believe he presents himself to us in different ways every single day. Some days love looks like joy. Some days love looks like grief. It can look like sacrifice. It can look like abundance, you know, and it just depends on um, our ability to be emotionally healthy and clear to recognize you know, whether that's a trial or a joyful experience when it shows up at our doorstep, how are we going to engage in it? And I think it's just positioning ourselves in a way where, you know, we pause and we're able to say, how do I show up in this moment to be a pursuer of love? No, you bring up a good point, because uh, when we talk about pursuing love, it's not just relationally with family or with friends. it's, It's a mindset that every day that, that I wake up, whoever I come into contact with, right. that I'm choosing to to pursue or engage in this conversation with the foundation of love. And that's irregardless of whether or not we agree, you know, from a religious perspective or politically or um, any other, you know, concept out there. It's, it's I choose to pursue love. Right. And I think, you know, we hear First Corinthians, you know, all the time, like, weddings any like we hear it all the time love is patient love is kind and it sounds so beautiful when you read the scripture but if you really pause and think about it like if love is patient 
typically I don't exercise patience in fun scenarios. Like I don't exercise being kind necessarily in fun scenarios. And so, you know, it's like, yes, I want to experience patience and kindness. And this is the essence of love. But really, when you pause, it's like, no, the only time I have to practice patience is when I'm like irritable or I want something to move faster or yeah. the only time I have to stretch myself to be kind is when someone is not, you know, being kind to me. And so when we think of love through the lens of scripture, it really changes the whole playing field in terms of how, you know, we're going to pursue it every single day. Yep. And it forces you to get outside of who you are, how you typically or want to respond or engage because now you're responding from a place of patience or being kind right. uh, or not being easily angered. You know, it's it's interesting when you look at it from that perspective, for sure. All right. So question number two, would you agree that uh, the healthy pursuit of love starts with first knowing and loving God and then yourself? Why or why not? Absolutely. I think, you know, when we view love, like you were saying about the picture of love that TV and entertainment paints for us, that's through a lens of emotions and gestures um, and, you know, romance and these concepts of what love is supposed to make us feel like. But when we look at scripture, it really tells us that love is the choices we make and how we're going, you know, to respond. And so without a biblical understanding of what love is, I feel like, you know, you're really kind of setting yourself up for failure. And, and then also you can be on the track of love, you know, God's way, but it won't feel like love because you have this idea that, you know, is counter everything yeah. that you're being presented with. So you're in a relationship and things get rough and they're hard and you're like, this isn't love when in actuality, again, going back to scripture, um, God is love. Scripture tells us that God so loved the world that he gave and we know what the giving of Christ looked like. It was an ugly, messy painful act at, that he accomplished at the cross. And, and that's the picture of love. And so I think it's critical to have, you know, a true biblical understanding of what love is in order to, you know, do relationships well. And then I think on the flip side of that, loving yourself feels like the second layer to the cake, so to speak, because, you know, if I'm walking through life and I have this Christ-like mission of loving people unconditionally and passionately, obviously you can get yourself into some, you know, relationships, friendships that you're, where you find yourself being taken advantage of because, you know, here you are trying to love people through hard times and hard situations and it's not being reciprocated and then you're just not in a good spot. And so self-love is that layer of, you know, boundaries and what, what am I willing to accept? So I think they really go, you know, hand in hand in order for you to maintain a healthy, you know, pursuit of love. Yeah, so for the person that... um is listening and doesn't know what it means or looks like to first love God and then love yourself. What are some practical things that, that they could do or could implement um, to start pursuing and loving God first and then loving themselves before they try to go out and, you know, and trailblaze the, the world, loving everybody else. What, what does that look like? I, honestly, I think it's getting to a spot where you're recognizing the value of being honest before God. You know, a lot of times we we feel this weight or obligation to show up 
in our relationship with God, like it's a job interview, you know, you're trying to present the best parts of yourself. And the thing is, he already knows you. And so I think when you just humble yourself, when you surrender and you show up honest in your relationship with God. So if you don't really agree with everything in the Bible, those questions are not too big for God. If you don't understand things about you know, faith in who he is and why the Bible says the things that it says, like show up with your questions, show up with your frustration, show up, you know, with, with your truth in your relationship with him. And then I believe that sets like such a great playing field to experience his love. And, um, and I think it's important because really we can't give what we don't have. And so for someone who wants to say, like, I want to go out and love on the world the way that God calls me to, but you haven't really experienced that intimacy and that abundant love within the confines of your relationship, quiet time, personal, no one's looking, no performative, you know, antics associated. If you haven't experienced love with God in that way, you, you can't pour from an empty cup. You know, so yeah. I just think from a practical standpoint, it's like what what are the 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 barriers in your relationship with God and like work through those things with him. Get around some people who've maybe come along a little further in their walk that you can present those questions or frustrations. You know, maybe you've had someone weaponize faith in your life and and use it in really harmful ways. Like do the dirty work. And to get to know God and show yourself honestly before him. And I think from that place, then you get to experience his love. And then you find yourself, you know, positioned to to love on others in that same way. Okay. Okay. It's good stuff. Okay. Is this your show or is this <laughs> mine? You know, I'm trying to keep up. All right. All right. So next question is, how would you define the pursuit of love uh, that we've been on over the last 13 years together? And what's been your biggest lesson or takeaway thus far? How much time do we have here? Three minutes. <laughs> um, honestly, like we don't have this patty cake, pretty love story. Um, but I think that's been the best part. Um, I think our marriage and just our relationship has been the biggest example of the love of Christ in my life. Um and I mean, it's love has shown up in very different ways over 13 years, obviously. And I think in our early years of dating, love, you know, looked like joy and romance and all of the, you know, rom-com films that you can think of. It, it was that. And then yeah. then I've, you know, had to learn that uh, that's not the real real once we got into marriage and then love looked painful and love looked sacrificial and seasons of loving you require me to show up as a friend first sometimes and you know choosing to come off of my pedestal as you know your wife and what I thought it was supposed to be or what things were supposed to look like and and the same for you there were seasons where you had to shape shift for me as well you know love looked like carrying me financially at times it looked like you taking care of me for a full nine months straight with all four of our pregnancy. Oh, we only had three. Three when all three of the pregnancy. Four kids. Yeah, four yeah. kids, three pregnancies. 
but all three of them were really rough and I wasn't an easy or fun spouse to be, you know, with in those seasons. So love has taken on many forms. And I think the biggest lesson that I've learned um, over our time together is, um, am I willing to shapeshift? And is this the person that I'm willing to grow with and, uh, and change with over the seasons? And I think that that's what really kind of defines your person, so to speak, you know, is that the person that comes into your life and you are willing to actually go through the mountaintops and the valleys together and um, not let them define you. And yeah, I, I feel like that's been the biggest lesson is like, am I going to show, am I, am I going to allow myself to show love in whatever way it presents itself today? Yeah. It's yeah, it's that's a really good description. I think I think when I think about it, and I did absolutely um, like no research on what it means to mine diamonds. But um, when I think about our love, I would think about it um, from the concept or perspective of mining for a diamond. But when you find it, it's not this shiny, right. beautiful object. It, it It's dirty and there's a lot of work that needs to be done on it. And so, you know, there's a lot to need that needs to be done to shape it into what it uh, ultimately can be and should be. And I think that um, that process is dirty. That time, that process is messy at times. That um, process isn't always fun. There's a right. lot of labor in it. But I think that um, the end result of that is something that's beautiful. And I right. think that when I think about our, our pursuit of love in regards to our marriage and just our relationship, I, I think about it from, from that perspective. Like it, it hasn't always been fun. It hasn't always been pretty. It hasn't always been uh, beautiful, but it's always been worth it. Right. So yeah, a couple cool points, cool points for me. Yeah. All right. So, uh, question number four, as a mother of four beautiful girls, how do you, uh, model a healthy pursuit of love knowing that while they can't fully comprehend and explain what they see, you know, uh, they're always listening, they're always watching, and they will mimic what they see you do in this season. I think with the girls, um, like, <laughs> outside of our marriage, obviously, being a mother has been the, the other biggest lesson of my life uh, thus far. And I think that's actually the sweet spot is the struggle. Um, when I think of, you know, modeling a great mom or a great wife or just a woman, you know, what it means to be a godly woman. Um, and I think about how do I want, you know, how do I want this to look and what do they need to see from me and what don't I want to show them? And the truth is, is I want to model a woman who needs Jesus yeah. because, you know, when I think about their faith and their salvation and I'm like, if I keep everything so sugar coated and, cookie cutter perfect and they don't see my struggle they don't see my need for him in different seasons um I'm not presenting the best picture really when I think of their foundation you know if I show a mom who just always has it together and they always see me on my game they don't get to see the messy side of just growing and being a woman then I'm kind of setting them up for failure and so I think you know, in the past couple of years, I think that's where I have found a lot of freedom is that I don't have to be a perfect mom and I don't have to be a perfect wife. I just need to walk things out, you know, honestly and openly. So if they, you know, a few weeks ago, me and you were arguing about God knows what and Kennedy comes tiptoeing 
you know, into the kitchen. And she's like, I don't like when you guys argue. And I'm like, I'm so sorry that, you know, it makes you uncomfortable. And, you know, sometimes mommy and daddy are going to disagree. And it doesn't mean we don't love each other. And, you know, mommy raised her voice. And so that's why I needed to go take some time for myself. Like being able to talk her through what's happening um, and correcting and apologizing and, you know, and then on the flip side of that, when we're, ha you know, we're dancing in the kitchen together or, you know, kissing and then they're grossed out. Like, I, I want to model a full life, yeah. you know, of ups and downs and um, showing the joys of God's faithfulness. And even when, you know, we lost my Aunt Rhonda, like Kennedy knew her and was close to her and being able to show that God is present in grief. And I just I think that's the biggest thing with, you know, how I want to show up as a mother is I want to show them a woman who needs the Lord. And I want them to see a God who is faithful to meet me in my needs. And that takes a whole lot of pressure off of me from trying to be, you know, the perfect mom and not hurt too many feelings or, you know, stress myself out with mom guilt is like just making them a part of my life and, and yeah. showing up honestly. No, that's, that's awesome. And it also requires that balance, right? So you're being transparent to a degree with, with the child and they're able to see and ask questions and you're able to explain those things to them, but at the same time, not exposing them to too much. Right. Oh, and absolutely. so there's that, yeah. that fine balance between, um, showing them the, the real and showing that every day I need Jesus every day that right. he is an active, active part of my life so that when they're in your shoes, they can say, mama, mama did the same thing. Right. I know what to do because I know what I saw mom do. Right. And I think, you know, the more that we are committed to Jesus and, and walking with him, um, my life becomes more refined in how I show up, you yeah. know? And so, there becomes a lot less exposure to things that would be deemed reckless or, you know, not great for a kid to see uh, when I am really at his feet and living a life that, you know, there just becomes a whole lot less to hide. Yeah. And and I think you have to do that from an authentic place, though, you know, that it's not I'm going to present this piece of myself. So I look this way before others or I look this way before um you know my children but no I'm actually just being myself and it's through God continuing to refine me and purify me that you know think like I used to be a yeller I think of you know earlier in our marriage yeah, like I, <laughs> I, I, agree. I mean like I did not know how to converse <laughs> I did not know how to come have a conversation with you that you know I disagreed on without yelling and like but the more that I have surrendered and the more that I have um, just made myself available to to change and be open to change and recognize that I need to change those things, that's not as much a part of my life anymore, you know? And so at least yelling at you, I'm still working on yeah, yelling yeah, in on. general. But, you know, so, you know, I just think it's a natural thing. That, like, that's the beauty of following God and following Jesus is that you you just get better. And so then you're you have a whole lot less to manage mentally of like, oh, I got to hide that or I got to tuck that away. Yeah. Like you just get to live authentically. Yeah, no, I agree 100 percent. And I can think about where we were 10 years ago and some of the conversations and back and forth that Kit Kennedy had to to witness versus what our children right. get to see and what we mirror 
and exemplify before them today is night and day. Right. And there's just a significant difference between uh, where we used to be and, and where we are now and that the our house and our marriage is in such um, a healthy and such a good place now to, like you say, you don't have to hide so much because there isn't, there isn't much right. to hide. And that doesn't mean that there won't be disagreements and arguments and things of that nature. But even with that, we know how to handle those in a loving and a mature way now, as opposed to the way that we used to settle agreements in the past. Right. And I, I also think with time in a marriage, you recognize that there's not so much on the line in terms of I remember being in the middle of an argument and it was like, if I don't prove my point right now in this moment, it's going to make or break something where it's like, you know, we're quite a ways in. And sometimes I'm just like, I don't even care, you know, and there's so then in that like that mindset, it's easier to just be quiet or it's easier to say, you know what, we'll talk about it later. Um, not at the expense of exposing our children to, you know, a hurtful argument or like you just learn to let things go because it has far greater impact on what they're seeing and what they're being a part of. And if I can choose, you know, to have self-control in a moment and say, we'll talk about it later, that goes so much further than I'm going to prove my point, you know? And so you're, I just think a lot changes in terms of like what matters, you know, and I agree. 100%. It comes with time. Yep. All right. So this is the last one for now. Um, All right. The pursuit of love extends far beyond the confines of our relationships with the world in such a fragile and uh, a divided state for various reasons. How would you define the Christian's mandate to pursue love? I think, I mean, this is loaded question, but uh, <laughs> I think, Honestly, as Christians in this season, I feel like it kind of goes back into my first lesson. I mean, first answer. If we would just pause more day to day, like as believers, if we would just pause and say, how is love presenting itself to me in this conversation or in this friendship or in this relationship? And how do I want to respond to it? We would make so much more um room for people in our lives and in our hearts and we would make such a bigger impact I believe on people if we would just slow down enough to remember that like it is our mandate love God love people and it's not love God and make sure their politics align with me love God and then make sure that you know they are uh, for all of the things I'm for and against all of the things that I'm against it's simply to show love and I'm not saying that you know, we water down the gospel or we change the gospel to fit this narrative of like, you know, do what you want with whatever you want. And like, I'm not saying that, but I am saying like, how can I show up in this moment? Because that's what our lives become. Just the moments is what makes up. I love that, you know, quote, you hear it all the time. People are like, um, people may not remember what you said, but they will remember how you you made them them feel. feel. And like, if we could just keep that closer to the forefront of our mind, I think we would make a lot more of an impact. And I, it also makes me think of um, when our friend Jonathan in Long Beach, he would say, um, you know, we're not here for behavior modification. Like we're not trying to bring people to our church and in relationship with us to tell them how to live and what to do. Like we're going to leave that stuff up to 
Jesus to yeah. change them in, in through relationship. Our job is to show love. Our job is to, you know, open our arms and make people feel welcomed. And I think we've lost sight of that in a lot of ways of just the value in just how we have the power to make people feel like if as a believer, you have access to this abundant love where you can say, I disagree with this person so much right now, but I'm going to choose to turn the other cheek. I'm going to choose to, you know, just be a light in this moment when I really would love to be something else. Yeah. Um, and I think the more we do that, the the more I mean, life just becomes fuller. Um, I heard I was listening to a message a few weeks ago and. Uh, it was with Dr. Darius Daniels, and he said, um, is your religion a magnet or a repellent? And I think, again, if I'm pausing and how I think of, you know, maybe when someone I disagreed with, you know, made a statement or asked a question, and I think through the lens of, do I want to repel them right now or do I want to draw them in? And if that's the, you know, the frame or the lens that I'm choosing to give my response to and not that, you know, you you turn to to being dishonest and like people pleasing, but genuinely, how can I even present maybe something that I disagree with from a loving place? Um, I think, you know, as Christians, that's I feel like that's the power we need to tap more into. Um, because there's so much to argue over in this season. There's so much to disagree on and, you know, push people away. And I think we've done a really good job at saying, you know, well, Christians don't support this and we don't believe this and we don't believe that. Let's spend a little more time showing the, the world what we're for. And yeah. yeah. No, it's good. It's a really good answer while you're talking. Um, and when you think about a, a mandate, like there isn't a lot of room for there's no room for negotiation. Like we don't have the, um, the authority to withhold love from anybody. Right. Like that's not what we as believers get to do because that's not what Christ exemplified for us. When he's on the cross, he didn't say, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm giving my life for this individual, right. or for this nation. It was for, for everybody. And so we don't have the authority to even withhold love. Right. Like as, as believers, that's, that's so far from, the mindset um, of Christ. Now, pursuing love and showing love um, day in and day out will look different to different people and the way right. you show up for different people. And it's not always going to look the same way. Sometimes it's just an encouraging word or sometimes it's how we respond to something um, that hurt us or something that we disagree with that e we can even respond from a place of love with individuals that, that we disagree with, but we don't have the, the authority or even the wiggle room to withhold love. Yeah. And I think, like you said too, like love is going to present itself in all shapes and forms. Um, sometimes love is just keeping an open door, you know, yeah. like I can't find common ground with you in this season. And I really disagree. And there's tension and there's frustration, but sometimes love is just standing. It's just keeping an open door, making yourself available and, um, and, and just allowing God to do what God does, you know, in the midst of that. And so sometimes I, you know, do think like, I mean, I'm guilty of this for sure is like, I want to figure it all out. Like I, like by the end of the conversation, I want to figure it out. We need to get back on the same page. And sometimes love is just saying, I'm just going to stand yeah. like, so Mrs. Collins, you have survived the kitchen yeah. table. So in, <laughs> 
what, in six days. So in six days, we celebrate 10 years of marriage. Yes. And so uh, I've enjoyed this ride that we've been on. Like we said, it's been uh, one full of ebbs and flows, and it's been ugly at times, and it's been uh, magnificent and beautiful at times. But uh, it's been a journey nonetheless, and one that I've tremendously enjoyed. And uh, I love you, and I appreciate you coming on. Uh, and I'm looking forward to another 10 years. Until the wheels fall off. All right, family. I hope you enjoyed listening to uh, this episode of Pursuing Love as much as I enjoyed recording it. My my prayer is that there are some nuggets of wisdom that uh, you can digest and at the appropriate time begin to uh, implement in your own life. Remembering that uh, everything that we pursue creates a ripple effect, not only in our lives, but the lives of those around us. Uh, may we remember that uh, there's somebody always watching us, watching what drives us, watching uh, what motivates us and what we're in pursuit of. And remembering that we have the, uh, the opportunity to steer them uh, in the direction of something that's either going uh, to apprehend them or something that's going to catapult them. So while you're on your own pursuit of love, always re remember uh, the example of, of Jesus on the cross. An example of, of somebody that didn't withhold or, or try to specify or limit their love, but uh, he gave it willingly and, and freely to everybody, even those that ultimately rejected him. That's what we as believers have been mandated to do. Until next time, family, this is uh, The Kitchen Table. Be blessed.